Oh, there he is. The yeah, champion. Yes, sir. Let me get a good look at you. Wow. <laughs> oh. You have a, you have a good look behind you. Look what I got. Yeah. I all I already hijacked the NFT. No, you can't hijack that. <laughs> you can't hijack that. Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by my partner, Hall of Famer, Teddy Atlas, and today's special guest, MMA Junkies 2020 Coach of the Year, Eric Nixick, Coach of the New Heavyweight Champion of the UFC, Francis Ngannou. Congratulations, Coach, and thanks for being with us. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for having me. Great to have you, Eric. Uh, again, I said it off the air, but I'll say it officially. Congratulations um, to have an heavyweight champ of the world. Great job. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate that so much. Hey, I, again, we just wanted to say congratulations. What an awesome performance. I mean, Francis just looked unbelievable. And, and, and I, you could see all the work that you guys have done on his uh, fundamentals. I mean, he looked flawless. Awesome. Conditioning looked great. Maybe talk a little bit about what the game plan was going into the fight and how it played out from the corner's perspective. Yeah, thank you, Ken. Um, honestly, like for us with the octagon and the small cage being heavyweights, octagon control became my, my main priority, who dictated the space. Um, obviously, that's one of the scoring criteria for the judges is octagon control. So, you know, right away, we wanted to make sure that we kind of planted a center flag in that middle and, and I made him verbalize it. I just made him say, hey, this is my cage. And at any point, you verbalize it to make it kind of put it out there. But, um, you know, a lot of times you'd hear me yelling at my cage, my cage. And he would just, you know, plant that foot in the center. And um, then from that point on, really, we just uh, look to make the adjustments as far as the cutting off the cage goes and not chasing. Stipe does a really good job with lateral movement and gets you to kind of chase after him where he'll plant that right cross and catch you on an alley where you're running into his right hand. So we wanted to make sure that we always stayed ahead of his lead shoulder, um, just kind of kept cutting off that, that octagon. And then to negate some of that um, lateral movement, we right away wanted to start attacking that lead leg, you know, and, 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 and really chop down that calf. So by doing so, it was almost kind of like, uh, you know, your first play in football hitting for like 35, 45 yards, you know, you, you knew, you knew right away it was going to be a good one when, you know, we had center control and we started to chop that lead leg. In my mind, everything else is going to fall into place. You know, the next thing we wanted to make him do is we, we wanted Stipe to wrestle, but we wanted him to wrestle on our terms. We wanted to make him panic wrestle. So once all those things kind of started to formulate, then we knew right then it's like, okay, now once you back him up to the cage, that panic wrestle is going to start happening. So by doing so, we knew we'd be ahead of the curve and be able to dictate kind of our own wrestling pace when he did shoot. So that, I mean, that's exactly what happened. It was, it was, it was beautiful to be quite honest with you. Like it was, it was almost uh, a game plan that you ran over, over so many times throughout an eight week camp and it just unfolded right in front of your eyes. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was, uh, it was really executed. You know, it's one thing to make a plan. It's another thing to actually execute it. And I always say to fighters, Eric, that after the eight week camp, we've gone over things so well, so much where it's like you you visualized it already. You did it. You you sketched it out. You fought the fight already. Now all you have to do is go color it in. 
You know, the, it's been done. And that's what it looked like. That's what I was thinking when you guys were doing what you were doing. These guys have sketched it out. They visualized it. They already fought this fight many times in their minds. Um, now they're coloring it in. And, you know, it's funny. You talk about my case, my case. For me, and I talked about it leading up to your fight too and always in fights, it's all about the geography. Who controls their geography? The geography that makes most sense for their physical assets. And that's what you guys did. I mean, for me, we worked together in Vegas that day. You were gracious enough to allow me into your gym. And um, we, we, we had a nice day working. And I remember saying to him that the most important thing to me for you is to be able to control the geography that God gave you the physical assets to control. You know, with your with your size, with your reach, where you keep guys at the end of your punches, where you say no, 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 kind of like Magambo. Remember Magambo with the the Senny's got all these commercials now. He he, he, he blocks all the ball. No, 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 not in my house, not in my house. You know, I love uh, I love him. So it, it kind of like along those lines. I remember saying to Francis, guys shouldn't be allowed to do. What they want to do, you should keep them at the end of your jab and where you can deliver the punches at the end of your jab, you know, set the table and then go eat or force them to come into dangerous, you know, territory. Force them to walk through a bad neighborhood and, mm -hmm. then, mug, and then they get mugged. <laughs> and and that's, that's what I was seeing. And um, just go over for the audience how much work it took. I mean... I'm, I'm sure repetition, repetition, to improve. That shouldn't be understated. How, how dramatically, great job, by the way, really, I have to say it again, how dramatically you improved his technique. Because it's one thing to have the power. I, there's guys out there with the power. People say, oh, nobody. No, there's guys out there with the power. But what differentiated the other night, what allowed you to win the world title, was that you gave him a delivery system for that power. That his technique had improved so much. Talk about that. Well, you know, coach, like like anything, I think when, when you, especially when you get into camp, when you eliminate a lot of the fluff, the things that really don't matter, and you really narrow down on on like uh, on like a one way street. Okay, these things are going to help us get to where we need to be to win this fight, and you eliminate all the other BS. And I think that really helps him a lot in understanding. So for Francis, I think he learns differently or retains things differently. So if I explain to him the reasons why, then it resonates with him. So if I say, hey, if we can cut the cage off, this is going to open these things and give him the pathways and the reasonings. And a lot of times, like when you see him, you know, he doesn't respond to you in a lot of ways, but I know it's, I know he's taking it in. So once we kind of eliminated all the, all the little fluffy things that really don't matter in the, in the game. Um, and we started just really narrowing it down. I started to see everything start to resonate with him, especially when it came into sparring, you know, and verbalizing, hey, this is my cage, understanding why the, where those angles come in, understanding why we're doing these things. Then he understand the purpose behind it. You know, it's like see, no, understanding how a car engine works. You're able to take the car engine apart. Then you can put it back together. But you know what, why each piece is there. You know, and, and that was uh, that's when I really started to see the, the, the I guess the, the, the click, 
you know, and it was like, okay, now he gets it. Now he understands what we're looking for and what we're trying to accomplish, you know? And then, I mean, everything that you said to Teddy, like that was exactly what we did. We even, we even practiced the celebration. We even practiced the celebration because I wanted him to visualize that part as well. I wanted him to, to remember walking with his hands up and feeling that energy. And then I would run into the cage. I'd pick him up every time and run him around all the way to the point to where, you know, Francis and I had a, a day on Thursday where we were able to sit down and kind of reflect. And he was like, man, he goes, I feel like I was already there. And for me as a coach, that was the best compliment you can ever give because that's what I wanted him to see. I wanted him to, in his mind's eye to visualize everything play out the way it did all the way up to the celebration. Yeah, that's the way you do it. And uh, I hope you don't have a hernia picking him up every day. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big man. That's a big man. Just hooked you know? right under his butt cheeks and give him yeah, the there, there it is. You're a strong man too, you know. But, um, you know, I always say, and I again, when I met him and met you and talking about this, that Sometimes power, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you're lucky you got the power. You know, it's it's a God-given thing. I always say punches are born and not made. You know, we can improve how they, the delivery system, how they can land that power. But as far as pure power, you have it or you don't have it uh, to that level. And so a lot of people say, wow, you know, you're, you're, you're lucky you got that. But power can be a curse. It can be a curse. And in some ways, I'm, I'm going to step out a little bit on a limb here. I'm talking directly to you about it, but in some ways I felt that it was a curse for him earlier in his career where that's what he depended on. That And, and guess what? It's not going to be there. Not everyone's going to be there to be knocked out. Sometimes you're going to need something else. And and the most important thing you're going to need besides the delivery system, besides the ability to do other things technically like jab and do other things, but the mental status. You're, you're going to need the ability to know you can depend on yourself beyond the power, that you can rely on yourself beyond the power. And he looked like he became that guy. Like he became that guy instantly. Like, you know, it's not instantly. I mean, the first fight with Miocic was three years earlier. But on that night, he became that guy with that whole package of what I'm talking about. And where... He didn't depend. He knew he had the power. You could see the confidence, but it wasn't just the power. He knew he could control him with the jab. He knew he could make it, as you just said, his cage, that he could control you. He, he knew that he could be in control. And in the first fight, I saw where he didn't know that. He didn't yeah. know that. He was hopeful he was cursed by the power going out there trying to just land it and hoping that it would land, hoping that it would remove this problem for him. But this time he knew beyond the hope. Yeah, I think uh, for us, Coach, we had a, we had a great moment um, about two years ago. And I asked him, we, we talked about his fears, his biggest fears in this sport. What are you afraid of? And uh, we, we, we kind of equated it to the boogeyman. And I said, what if I told you that all these things that you're afraid of, these, this boogeyman that lives underneath your bed, what happens when you go look that thing in its face and all of a sudden that boogeyman becomes your greatest ally and you turn, those, you turn the tables on it. And now all of a sudden your cardio is, is one of your best attributes and your wrestling is another tool in the tool shed. And you can start depending on other avenues to win fights other than just your power. And he goes, I'll be the great, I'll be the baddest man on the planet. 
I said, well, let's go get to work, you know, because if you believe in what I'm telling you here and that, and we, we saw it now, he does, he believes in it. All we're going to do is just give you more tools to, in the toolbox, you know, and, and, and be, and I'll be at your disposal. So when there's an area where you can't depend on your power, now you can wrestle. Now you can kickbox. Now you can do these other things that we need to have, especially to be a world champion. Yeah, the full package. And, um, you know, it's funny because also when I watched the tape, because we broke it down, we, we did the breakdown for a podcast for Four Year Fight. And, um, and of course, we had shown where I had worked with him in the gym before that. And, you know, we would, I was talking about the, changes and i predicted he would win and a lot of people thought not not hey listen it's no knock on him a lot of experts thought that miocic would win because he was the more experienced guy still and the most rounded guy still but what i thought they were probably gonna not understand until they understood it and saw it in front of them was how this guy naganyu francis was not the same guy yeah, how, how much he had grown, you know, how far he had come. And I'm watching the tape to do my job for the podcast, for the audience, and I'm looking at the first one. And look, I, I say things straight out, and, and you're, you're a good man. That, hey, obviously you handled the truth because you just put the truth forward in getting him to understand what he had to understand and face the truth to be a world champion. So... I said, look, his cardio doesn't look good that first fight. But mm -hmm. I said, I bet you it's better than mm -hmm. people think it is. I bet mm -hmm. you it's better. Mm -hmm. I bet you he's in freaking good shape, but he's burning too fast because yeah. his mind, his mind ain't right. Because he has not he has not the way I said it was, he has not breathed this air before right. in this moment on that stage. For the title, for everything in his mind that it's becoming now, that in his mind. And because of that, that rarefied air, when you haven't breathed it, when you, when you haven't felt it, when you don't know what it feels like, and you don't know what it can do to you, it did things to him. It, it, it broke him down. It, it dissipated him. It, it burnt him up. Mm -hmm. And I felt that that was what was at play more than his cardiovascular being less than superior. Talk about that. Is, am I right? It was 100%. And I think when you, when you actually boil down Francis to his, well, like the person he, he is, think about how he got to this position. It was over rejection and, and sent back and told he couldn't do it and everything else. So in my mind, that was a rehearsal for what we saw last week you know he needed that he needed to understand what it's actually going to take to be the person that he can actually become even from his just getting to just getting to spain and traveling through africa and all those things like it's almost like it was it was a storybook uh scenario for us to where i'm glad that he didn't win that first fight because i think that's that's what he needed i think that's what he needed to become this man that he is today you know and and that and that's perfect for us teddy you know like we're not built like most people. When we, when we hear the naysayers that motivates us, you know, for other people, it might turn them away, but that's what we love. We love to hear that stuff. Cause I like to prove people wrong. That's why you're a champion now. Thank you, coach. <laughs> Eric, speaking of that first loss, I think that, um, I think that 
that it was such a learning experience to lose that first fight because in speaking with Francis, I think that his perception even with UFC management was that he was getting very big for his britches, just running people over, steamrolling towards the title. And I think that that loss, not just highlighting some of the physics, some of the technical deficiencies, but emotionally and, and psychologically was like reminded him like, oh, there's a lot more to this. And, and just from the conversations I had with him, it seemed like it made him take a big step back and realize like, this is like, you know, no one's bigger than the sport. And then he just came back. The, the work that you guys have done, the improvements that he's made, he's everything just all around a better human being, in my opinion, if that was even possible than he was before. I mean, just crazy adversity. And uh, to now see him there with you, it's just, man, it's awesome, awesome journey. Yeah, thank you, Ken. I think, I think when uh, you know you get a good good group together that is rowing the boat in the same direction, you know, we it, you get you get Markel that comes in who has a great mind's eye for for the outside stuff for the things that you know he's not a typical MMA manager. He's actually sets Francis up financially and puts him in scenarios that are going to help benefit him for his future. You know, myself and Coach Dewey, who you know. I mean, I'm constantly breaking down film and doing all those things where I don't want my fighter to have to do that. I mean, that's my job and it's my job to filter everything and, and, and present it on a plate for him. So he is able to just eat the things that are important for him, you know, and then same thing with coach Dewey, you know, we, we sit in the lab and we work, but as a team, I think that's kind of where you feel like the whole, the whole unit is working in the right direction. But I mean, like anybody knows now I feel like the real work has begun. You know, we got to the top, we got to the mountaintop, but now it's really up to us to keep evolving and getting better because now the target's on our back. So whatever we did now, we did great. We have to keep that same energy, but we also have to be able to, to evolve and become better because I just know, man, like now people are going to go, okay, these guys are figuring things out. Now we're going to have to try to catch up to what these guys are doing. So, you know, it's no, no time to be complacent anymore. You know, we, now we really have to get after it. Yeah, you have the right attitude, obviously, as the leader of, you know, of this uh, this group in that way. Because it's one thing to win a world title; it's another freaking thing to keep it. <laughs> you know, you win it. I remember Customato would drum that into my head as an eighteen-year-old kid, as you know, the trainer I'm going to be. He would say, "Listen, you work too damn hard to get a title. They're too rare. You know how rare they are. You 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 better understand how hard you got to work now to keep the damn thing because everybody wants what you have now. Everybody wants. So you know to keep it. It's is is another thing. It's." You know, he used to joke with me. He said, it's one thing to rob a bank. It's another thing not to get caught. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he, he said, that's, that, that's the hard thing. He goes, you better not get caught now. Once you win that world title, don't let nobody catch up to you. I said, all right, cuz, I got it. I, I, I understand that. The other thing I want to say, Eric, is that, you know, talking about, like I just touched on Cuz, so I'll, I'll touch on Tyson for a second. And I know Francis was a fan of Tyson. He, you know, he... um he would always look at his fights and all that, um, and and he, I remember working with him, showing him that uppercut. <laughs> he want, you know, he wanted to he wanted to learn that that Tyson uppercut and stuff. But um, Tyson wouldn't have been Tyson. I can't say it in a more straight, honest, just way. Tyson wouldn't have been Tyson with just the power. He wouldn't mm -hmm. have been. He had to mm -hmm. learn the things he learned. 
you know, mentally, emotionally, and technically to have the delivery system to use that power because there were other guys out there with power similar to Tyson. I mean, Ernie mm-hmm. Shavers could knock down a, a wall with his right hand. He never won a world title. I mean, there were great fighters around when Shavers was around, Ali was around, you know, and, and Holmes and stuff. But still, you know, it's not just about the power, as we've been saying. And and for Tyson, if he only had the power, he wouldn't have been world champion. He would have been another strong guy that would have scored some knockouts, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, but he wouldn't have been Tyson, you know, without learning the things that he learned and the things now that Francis has learned. And with Francis, to me, the thing that really put the, the cherry on top of the Sunday, so to speak, that really told you he's here. He he changed. He he's he's more complete. That really, I I know it was the beginning. His composure for me, that's the first thing I noticed. His composure. Mm-hmm. He's together. He he's not running too fast. You know, he's not letting the fight control him. He's controlling the fight. You know, he he's not just out there throwing punches. He's composed. He understands what what his job is and what he needs to do and what he needs to be. But at the end of it, at the end of it. That's again. He was not the most complete guy. He was he was the guy who was not as sophisticated. He was the guy who was raw. He's the guy that was just throwing bombs. And then to really, really verify, put the certificate. You know when they stamp when they stamp your envelope. Boom. Okay, it's official. You got it. Was at the end that he became this guy. This guy that he. Oh my God. He is sophisticated now, where when he ended the fight with a counter left hook, oh my God, Eric, fighters, uh, uh, crude fighters, primitive fighters, don't land counter left hooks. They don't do that. That's a sophisticated move. That, 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 That takes timing. That takes teaching. That takes developing. And when I saw that, I said, oh yeah, let's put that stamp down. Wow. That for me, that's that's what it was for me. It was fitting that he made this evolution. It was again, it was it was it was just Exhibit A in a court of law. That yeah, look, he made this full metamorphosis, and he, he is this complete fighter, not just a guy throwing bombs. Yeah, I think he was. Uh, he's such a good job of almost kind of like with what we do in football, coach. Like when we read read your keys. Right. Read your keys. And when Stipe had his right hand in his pocket, that's all I saw. I never. So Francis's back was to me and I never saw the right hand of Stipe land. I just saw Stipe coming forward with his right hand in his pocket. And I swear to you, coach, I leaned down and grabbed the bucket because I knew it was over. I didn't even see the knockout. I already knew it was over. Oh, that's over. (laughs) I didn't even see the follow up shot. I saw the hook and I grabbed the bucket and I was like, it's lights out. It's over, you know, because he made that one mistake. And I think. I think exactly to what you said and to Francis's credit, he lulled Stipe into a fight that Stipe wasn't prepared for and got him to think about, okay, I have an opportunity, and he set the trap, and then there it was. It was a trap, and it was beautiful. And like I said, I said, uh, he's not he's not this crude guy anymore. <laughs> wow. I mean, it was, it was really beautiful. It really was. And um, I remember, you know, the funny thing, just a little bit of, you know, going back in my own mind i remember in the gym showing him that talking about that saying hey could you imagine if you threw this <laughs> yeah yeah 
Exactly. Read it, be there, you know, and understand and work within your mind's eye and see where those opportunities, uh, you know, show themselves. We, we use the term, and I know it's kind of an oxymoron, but it's exactly to your point. We say calculated chaos, you know, you got to be calculated, but you also have to have that mean streak, you know, when it, when it, when no one it's available for you and, and look at good things will happen. Yeah. I use the words. It's funny. You're saying that I use almost the same exact term with my fighters. I say controlled chaos. Love it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you, you guys really, you deserve everything that you've gotten. You've earned it. Um, just the only thing I would ask is stay the, stay the champion people you are. That's all. Yes, sir. That's yes, sir. Tremendous. Very happy. Garrick, congratulations. Just before we let you go, can you talk a little bit about your own athletic background? Because I know you had quite the uh, career at, uh, was it Reno? Well, yeah. I, Nevada I, at Reno? I went to Reno and then I transferred out to Utah and I played there at a small school out in Utah for my, for my final two years. But, uh, you know, I, I grew up, a, I grew up in a football background. Uh, my dad was a defensive coordinator. Um, both my uncles were, were my coaches. Uh, you know, my dad's very close with Barry Alvarez from Wisconsin. So, you know, I came from a, a football lineage, really breaking down tape as a kid was, was how I spent a lot of time with my dad, you know? So my dad would give me like, little things to do. He's like, all right, on third and 15, I want you to watch the guard on the right hash and see what he does. And, you know, so reading keys for me just kind of became a, a, a natural kind of event for me. So translating over to MMA, you know, tape study became something I think that, um, you know, I feel like myself and a few others in the, in the game have taken to the next level. So, um, you know, it, the translation between team sports and, and uh, although, MMA is an individual sport once the cage door closes, but you're only good as the team that you surround yourself with. So, you know, I think a lot of the football elements have really uh, uh, crossed over into, into MMA. And I think that's where you're starting to see the gym be successful is, is the standard that we set of, of taking care of one another and being good teammates that really the, the rising tide raises all ships mentality. You know, so my, my football background, I feel like has really helped us uh, a lot in, in, in different ways, but, Outside the box, I think, is where it's really uh, shown itself. You know, you're lucky that my son didn't see you. My son is this uh, director of scouting for the Raiders out in Vegas now, the assistant director. And you're lucky he didn't see you playing because he would have grabbed you, would have been in the NFL, and you wouldn't be the coach <laughs> of the heavyweight champ. Right now. <laughs> that, was, that was the whole idea, you know. When I got out of college, I started coaching uh, coaching for my uncle at, at a high school here. And, and uh, you know, my uncle, my uncle was a pretty tough guy to get along with. So his first season, <laughs> he made the playoffs. And then, uh, and then, you know, he got into it with the principal and the principal fired him. So I was out of a job and, um, you know, and I coached, I coached a few at a few high schools here, coached some of the receivers and stuff. So, you know, my, my senior year here in Vegas, um, I was first team all state and as a wide receiver and that's what, that was the plan was to go. Uh, I was either going to go to Wisconsin and, and try to play outside linebacker strong safety, but I still wanted to play. still wanted to play receiver. So, uh, it kind of grew into my body. <laughs> I ended up being 230 pounds. So, you know, no, no schools wanted me to play receiver. It was, it was the strong safety and free safety. I went. So, but, uh, I like being quarterback of the defense. I had a good time doing it, running my head through some people and, <laughs> you know, got school paid for and, uh, you know, it played its course for me. Yeah, it sure did. You know, you had to be pretty damn good to go to those schools to play in those schools. I mean, you won't say it, but I say it. And uh, my son just got back from one of his uh, scouting trips that they're doing now, you know, after COVID had everything closed up and a pro days. So he just got back and 
he was out in Utah, and they got some talent out there. They got some they talent do. out there. Really do. Yeah, they do. They really do. Yeah, that was the tough part for us growing up here in Vegas is Vegas kids didn't get recruited very, very well. You know, it was, it was crazy that UNLV was always the school everybody wanted to go to, but the trap was UNLV only gave in-state tuition to local kids. They didn't give us scholarships. So all the other Pac-10 schools and big schools will come and pluck us out, like Stephen Jackson, for example, Stephen Jackson didn't even get a, a scholarship offer from UNLV, his own home city. And he goes to Oregon State and does what he does out there, you know. So, you know, the local kids here, I think, always were getting getting the short end of the stick when it came to recruiting. But other big time schools would go, hey, there's, there's a lot of talent out here and came and plucked us out. Things happen for a reason. Vegas is becoming a powerhouse now for all sports. They've got uh, Bishop Gorman out there. I know they have Vashti Cunningham, Randall Cunningham's daughter, world indoor high jump champ. They have the uh, Fratita kids came out of uh, Bishop Gorman's football program. I think one of them played at Notre Dame, if I'm not mistaken. Like that, 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 that's a football, that's a, a, an yeah. athlete uh, factory at Bishop Gorman. Um, Really impressive stuff, and uh, yeah, Vegas becoming the hotbed for athletes. Yeah, big time. And you're right in the middle of it with Extreme Couture. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, thanks, Eric. Appreciate appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Appreciate you letting us come out and have Teddy work with uh, Francis uh, a few months back. Pleasure to speak with you as always, and we couldn't be happy if we couldn't happen to a nicer group of guys, you and Francis Markell and the team. Congratulations to everyone involved. No, man, thank you guys so much for having me. It's a, it's a complete honor. You know, uh, Coach Teddy's been an idol of mine for years, so it's been a, it's been a great uh, experience, especially when you guys got to come out. Even just the, the little time that I got to spend with Coach Teddy, I mean, it really opened my eyes to a lot of things, especially, you know, when he, when he uh, articulated about who I spend my time with and who gets my time. That really resonated with me and, um, it, you know, it made me understand and kind of rethink some of my, my approach, especially to the fight game, so... You know, it, it was an honor to have you guys out there, and hopefully uh, you guys will be out here soon again. It was our pleasure. We look forward to seeing you guys again as champions. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Very, yes. very, very happy for you. It's very proud and um, proud of the people that you are as champions outside the octagon. Yes, sir. Thank you, Coach. And if, if you see us doing anything we shouldn't be doing, make sure you hit me up and slap us around so we, we get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. You got a deal. All right, guys. Hey, have a good week, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks Take a lot, Eric. Take care, Eric. Right. See you guys. Right. Thank you, guys. All right. Hey guys, want to take a quick pause to give a thank you to today's sponsor, Athletic Greens, the all-in-one daily drink to support better health and peak performance. I say it every week, but I love this stuff. I've been taking it every single day for probably two years now, um, especially uh, during uh peak performance or peak training moments right now i'm training for a race on may 1st so i'm running up to 90 miles a week i never miss a day with this stuff um it's like an insurance policy for your um health and nutrition these guys spent 10 years with top nutritionists and doctors to create this formula it's made from 75 whole food sourced ingredients it's got vitamins minerals prebiotics probiotics and antioxidants like I said, it's like an insurance policy for your body's health and health and immunity. It's all you need to stay on top of your immunity with 12 servings of fruits and vegetables. No need for multivitamins or whatever else you might be taking. Athletic Greens has you covered. Special offer for our listeners. 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. These things are invaluable, especially like I said, when you're traveling. 
They come in individual serving packets. I put them in my backpack or my uh, over or my um, carry on. I never travel without it, honestly, especially when I'm traveling, when your immune system can get run down during COVID, especially on airplanes, et cetera, et cetera. So whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address gut health, Athletic Greens is the way to go. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash atlas to claim the special offer of 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash atlas. Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by legendary trainer Teddy Atlas and today's very special guest, the new heavyweight champion of the world, UFC heavyweight champ Francis Ngannou from Cameroon. How's that sound, champ? That sounds awesome, man. Like, uh, couldn't believe like when there was like uh, a new. <laughs> that sounds, you know. Uh, I've been we've been repeating it at the, at practice, you know, drill like how you're going to sound like and that day it was just unbelievable well we're very happy for you francis you deserve it you worked hard for it you've been on a long journey to get there and um it's a great story i, I think Thank the greatest you. thing about it francis for me is that usually these things impact the person and the family but you're in a very unique position where your success, your fame, your story can impact millions of people. It can it can change people's lives. You you can influence people in your country that can yep. say that can say, hey, if Francis did it, I could do it. To me that's that's the greatest part of it. Absolutely, Didi. Like um as you said, uh this is like um my position is a little different than uh, usual because like um, I came from somewhere who uh, a lot of people uh, relate to me. Like when they look at me, they, are, they, they are relate to me like, okay, uh, this is our life. We, this is like one of us and uh, that make, uh, make it different. They react about it different. The support is different because it's the only they're like kind of like their only hope, their only, um, not like that, no, like a hope, but, you know, um, like a proof, you know, of a overcoming a situation and a lot of th that probably inspire a lot of them. And uh, I can, I saw how they were watching this fight home. Uh, we have some tape, man, that was crazy. And even now, the country is still like going crazy. They are, they are waiting for celebration, for the big celebration. I don't even know how we're going to deal that. But, you know, it's just a cool stuff. But imagine like 25 to 30 million, million uh, people just get excited like this and all of them look in the one direction, which is your direction. This is just uh, amazing. No, it's that's why I started the interview that way. I thought that should be the way we should start. The most important thing is how we can impact other people, not ourselves, but how we can change the world if we're lucky enough, if we're blessed enough, uh, gifted enough uh, to be in a position where we can 
we can actually change other people's lives. And you can do that just through inspiration, just through hope, where people that come from difficult situations in Cameroon that were down on their hope, they see Francis, they say, I can do it. He gives me hope to do it. Very similar, there's very few people in that position. Muhammad Ali was in that position uh, in, in a different way to give people hope, to lead people, to change people outside of his sport um, in social ways. Uh, the great Manny Pacquiao is similar to that. He inspires a country. He yeah, inspires yeah. the people yeah. of the Philippines. And you're in that same position. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if it's the same level, but uh, yeah, I know um, in my country, the, in Africa in general, we we all now stand for somehow like a, uh, not like a, only like an inspiration, but it's also our responsibility. I mean, uh, and that's what we were talking about. Uh, Usman Kamaru, Israel Adesanya and I, like uh, we've been uh, talking about how we should do something, whether it's like making a USA event in Africa, which will give more hope and more uh, motivation to those people back then. Uh, and also like uh, on, just honor us and give us the pleasure to fight in front of our people, you know, because we know how how big that will. We know how uh, which kind of dream that that which kind of fire that can uh, uh, discover in somebody. You know, like get them excited and uh, put them to work in order to like get there one day just because they thought, that. and also because they might um, see uh, that like a opportunity, the way a proof of fact that. It's possible that they can get there if they work really hard. They, they might end up having a reward, which is a even in Africa, instead of like uh, crossing uh, the continent or whatever, you know. So trying to bring it, trying to always find something to bring it back in the motherland, which is you know trying to inspire because yeah, we we are good here. We have facility to train. We have everything that we need, and then, like, maybe sometimes keep complaining, you know, being square, uh, like, oh, I don't have this, oh, I need this, oh, I'm tired. But when you go back there, then you kind of, like, uh, remember, like, how life there is, like, how tough it is, and what they are going through, and that's when you even realize that, well, actually, your life is pretty good, it's luxury. And um, knowing all those situations, both situations and being where we are, so we we think it's our responsibility to try what is on our in our power to like improve the situation back then because uh, we truly believe that there is a lot of people uh, back there which is even better than us. I mean, today they just uh, see us three because. Uh, we might be one of those few who has a, an opportunity, but uh, if the whole uh, continent would have the opportunity, I think we are taking over the combat. Africa is taking over the combat sport right away.
Well, I think that, again, I congratulate you. Thank you. I'm very, very happy for you. Couldn't happen to a better guy. And I think it's a great opportunity for you to to just empower other people, to teach other people, and to lead. It's, it's a privilege to be in that position. I think you have that privilege right now. And I also think that it gives, it gives you another power. I know you got enough power for about 20 men. I get it. I understand. <laughs> but and, and people are probably saying right now as they hear Teddy say this, they're saying, Teddy, are you crazy? You want to give this man more power? What do you want to do? You want to kill somebody? What, what do you want to do? <laughs> the, 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 the man's got enough power. But you know what I'm talking about right now, Francis? I'm talking about, I'm talking about spiritual power. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about I, I, when you get in the ring, you carry the hopes of a continent. You carry the hopes of millions of people. And I know that Ali used to feel that he had a power from that. I know that Pacquiao feels that he has the power. I know we always say you get in the ring alone. I get it. I get it. But in, there's very few people that don't get in the ring alone. They carry the hopes of millions of people with them. And there's a power to that. There, there, there's a destiny, a destiny to that. And I'm just curious, do you feel that power? And, and listen, before I finish, I could, I'm going to say it this way to you, Francis. It's a great power, but it can also be a great pressure that, that you don't want to let down all these people that attach their, their beliefs. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you finish well. That's, that's what I said. Like, I remember uh, going to my fight camp, basically the fight week, was thinking all about this, was thinking about um, uh, my family. I was thinking about the whole country, expecting me, people telling me, oh, we get this, oh, you're going to bring it back home. And looking at Usman and Adesanya, uh, waiting for me, claiming to be the third uh, champion to, uh, to put us in a, them in a better position to finally uh, be able to claim a USA even in Africa. And I'm like, man, it's all on me. Like, if I, uh, if I, if I don't do well, uh, I think uh, I'm, not doing, I'm not going to be the only one to be um, disappointed. There's a lot of people who are going to be disappointed and uh, feel bad about it because, <laughs> you know, they get at, you get at the point, you get you a pressure at the point that sometimes you wish you were just like everyone else, like nobody mind you. And you're like, okay, uh, then I would go there and do my thing. Doesn't matter how it goes, but I will be free. But if he doesn't work now, like I carry all these people, how do I going to face them? How do I going to look them? And that's a lot of pressure, a lot. One of the things that I've heard you mention since the fight, and it really resonated with me, was that that feeling of inferiority when you were coming through Morocco and the Moroccan government's trying to get you out of there, and then you get to Spain and the Spanish Navy's trying to get you, then you get to France and you're living in the parking lot, basically, and those people are looking down on you, and now you're the champ, and the entire sports world is looking up at you. 
that's got to be the most redemption, the, the, the most empowering feeling of all, right? To come from that kind of struggle and have those feelings. I know you told me when you were trying to get across from Morocco to Spain, what did it take you, like 12 or 14 months, 14 months. to now be in a position where everybody wants to help you, whereas before everybody wanted to prevent you from getting ahead. Talk to me about the emotions that you're feeling now having and, and how they contrast with where you were just a few years ago? Well, um, I think uh, it goes way more back than uh, the moment that I was trying to cross Morocco. The feeling of inferiority was since when I was a kid at school and all these uh, down looks from other kids because of my uh, miserable situation. But at the end of the day, it's, one, it's like one of the main reasons who uh, encouraged me to take this action because like uh how do i uh my own way to uh avenge that uh was to do something who's gonna put me in top of the uh big on the big stage so they all can look up to me and um because at that point uh doing something normal wasn't would have been enough so i figured out i i should do something who's gonna take me in the top like uh, uh, rise me up at the point that uh, nobody can miss can miss me, you know. So um, he he was tough. He might be the worst part of my life. But at the end of the day, when you put things together, when you think about it, uh, if it wasn't about that. I would never think about like becoming a champion or that would never be my, I would never have the motivation. Uh, that anger has always been my drive and my motivation because I was down to prove something. It was like, doesn't matter what it takes. I have to prove something. I have to prove to those, those people that it wasn't my fault. If I couldn't afford Duke or pen or so collect shape. I mean, I, I I was even better than them because um, at that age I was already working and working hard. Uh, things that uh, they didn't know anything about it. They were just so fortunate to have a parent who have a decent life who can uh, uh, afford that. And uh, you know, so that has always been my drive, the anger inside of me, like pushing me, pushing me, like to do something like, you know, like when you do something and you really want to prove the point. And um, today I proved the point. I mean, I'm not too much about it. I'm, I'm happy about myself because I always feel like uh, becoming a, a world champion would be my own way to give a slap in, a, in my past, in the life that I had back then and re reset. And um, yeah, I think like I have reset and uh, I can move forward, you know, uh, have my own life, you know, I'm still young, I have a very long and a beautiful life ahead that I can enjoy, it. I have family, good people around. Um, yeah, and I have, I still have uh, many years in the combat sport. I still have uh, a lot of goal, a lot of um, record to grow. To, so I'm not too much about that anymore. You know, I have done what uh, 
I wanted uh, to cover to fill that hole, but now I'm jo- I just have to live my life and chase my own dream as everybody, you know. You know, Francis, um, that was you said it right. You said it eloquently, and I uh, there's a great lesson uh, for the people that are listening to this podcast right now from you is that sometimes you have to go through very difficult things. It's part of the journey in life to get to a good place. That there's a purpose to it. That there's a reason for it. And you sit there having proven now once again that there can be a reason to misery. There can be a reason to going through, you know, torturous times, very difficult times. 100%. Yeah. And the way I put it, Francis, is we all have to, if you have a, a weapon for, for battle, you know, where say it's a sword and you're going to use that sword in battle, that sword has to be strong. It has to be forged to be able to stand up to the things that it's going to have, to make sure it doesn't break. And yeah. so it has to be forged in fire to, to become that sword that's going to have that strength. Well, it's the same thing for a person. You, you sometimes have to be forged in fire. And your fire was the things that it was early in your life that forged you, that hardened you, that prepared you for the things that you're able to do now. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> even though um, it's not a life that uh, I can choose if we, we start over, I will, I will not choose that path. But, but life uh, chooses you. Life chooses you. <laughs> yeah, but I, I have, I, I admit that uh, without my path, without that struggle, that misery, I wouldn't be here at all. Like there is not a way that I could have been here if it wasn't about it. Because when I look back in my life, everything in my life happened in purpose to lead me where I am today. Not the way that I wanted, but the way that it means, it means. He meant to be, you know, and the end of the day, we are here. So uh, actually, uh, I, I finally agree that he was my past uh, and he was a destiny. Like, no many times in life you see things uh, playing out like this. And as we all know, uh, every uh, the goal is shine, it's beautiful, but they try to find the goal, it's ne- the, the mind uh, try is never the most uh, um, comfortable road to, to go through, you know. But when you go down there in the dirt and dig it, clean it up, it's the most shiny thing ever. Um, yeah, so like my uh, journey was a journey through the goal, to the goal, which is like um, uh, my legacy. Uh, what I'm doing or what I'm about to do, so couldn't be something easy, you know. No, before, it, it had to be what said, it had to it, be. Yeah, he forced me into fire, but um, yeah, he did me strong enough and, to get it there. Sure, made you strong. It forged you. The fire forged uh, a beautiful champion. But I don't want. I don't want to let you lack the credit for other things. It forged a very strong person and a person that knew how to use that physical strength by becoming stronger mentally, 
That's the most important part. It, it forged that too. But it also forged a very grateful, great person, a good person, uh, a, a smart person, a person that, that is understanding to what he has now and what it means and how it can be used. So I don't congratulate you only on your, your heavy fist. I congratulate you on your character, on the person that you are. And uh, yeah, coming but, from you, that means a lot. Well, that's for me. That's the most important thing. I know a lot of strong. <laughs> I know a lot of strong guys, and um, but they're not all strong within. They're not all strong with character, and you are. And I appreciate when I see that. And um, I just wanted to say that for the people out there to hear that. And. I want to get into the ring now, into the octagon, into the fight. I want to get there now where you, I remember when I met you and we talked and we worked in the gym that day, I was telling you that, listen, I, Teddy Atlas doesn't have to tell you that you're, you're a, a very strong puncher and you have great ability and very athletic, but you and I also said to you, and I also say it on my show all the time on ESPN, that punches are born. They're not made. They're born. You're, you're born with that kind of gift, that kind of pure power. And you were one of them. But you need to also learn to be taught and to develop a delivery system for that power. Because without the delivery system, the power doesn't have the meaning that it should have. It, it it doesn't because if it if it can't consistently get to the target, then the power is lost. It doesn't mean anything. And I talked to you about that. And I'll be darned. You sure as heck developed the delivery system in the time that we talked to the time that you got in the ring with Miocic for the second time. And I know there was three years in between that fight, but you developed so much. You developed emotionally, you developed mentally, but you developed a technical system to deliver that power in a much better way, in a much more consistent way, where you set the table and then you went to eat with the big punches. You did a magnificent job. I want to congratulate all of your people, Eric, Markel, your whole team, and you. Tell, talk to us because you made a transformation. And I'm going to say something. And, and, and you'll understand where it's coming from. You, you were a moth and you became a butterfly. <laughs> you, you did. You, for me, as a trainer, as a pure teacher, you made a metamorphosis. You made a transformation from a moth, a nice moth, not a bad moth, a nice one, but a powerful, powerful one that got a lot of things done but it didn't have the things that the butterfly was going to have. It, it didn't have all of that, that beauty in the sophistication and the development of how to use that power. And right in front of my eyes, you made that transformation. You, you changed. You were a different guy, mentally, spiritually, and technically. You knew how to control yourself. You knew how to set up the punches. You didn't get out of position. You didn't look for the big punches too soon. And the most important thing, you were calm. You were in control of yourself. You were comfortable with your environment. Can you please? 
it was a great accomplishment. I know the change that I saw. It was not the same guy. Can you talk to us, to the fans, about how you and your team made that happen? Because it was really something. Thank you again, Billy. Um, um, I mean, um, after the first fight with um, with Stipe, I kind of like under I understood exactly that night that uh, how he was because like he was just four years and a half since I uh, discovered MMA. I started MMA, and uh, I had a lot of uh, leading up to that fight. I had a lot of concern, a lot of doubts, a lot of questions with who was uh, without answer. And um, after that fight, and I said it, I said it at the press conference, like I learned uh, this night than I ever, uh, more than uh, I learned in the four uh, past years. And because like, uh, I grew in the experience, you know. I I knew that uh, even though I was tired, I knew that I can make it uh, in the f- to five round. Um, basically, if I uh, don't go out uh, out there and then start to throw a big punch, just want to take him his head off in the first minute. You know, I can manage my energy and get there. That was those questions that I had before. Then I ha- I found that that space. Um, I understood that. I get back and then work about it. Like think about my um because I get really um upset about that fight. Not because I lost, but how I fight. Like when I look, I still watch that fight. I look at the guy fighting the Stipe back there three years ago. I didn't recognize the guy, like, because that wasn't my style. All my fight before that fight, I wasn't that fighting that way. I was more like counting people who was coming to me. But on that one, I was just walking through him like he was uh, immobile, uh, who wasn't the case. And um, I kind of like, truly understand the difference from there on. Obviously, uh, my previous fight, I didn't have the opportunity to show that thing because it didn't last long. But um, from that first fight with Stipe, I learned a lot. And I lost. I didn't, I have to, um, I didn't have my uh, hand raised. I didn't have the belt. But inside of me, I, I always knew that that was something that supposed to happen. Like, it was some sort of win for me because I needed a fight like that to grow up. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't that fight, he would have been someone else. I knew that in, in the, inside of me. Like, I, I had to maybe go to something to really understand what is happening here. And then I went to that fight. I understood right exactly how it's happening. Then I'm like, okay, now we are ready to go. I never, I always like want the rematch, want to uh, become a champion. But um, in some way, I never really, I mean, I have two feelings about that fight. 
in one uh i feel like I, in one i lost in one i, I win you know so um and uh, this fight was all about i mean this fight was built about the uh, on the mistake of the previous one you know i learned i understood everything that i understood on that fight i meant to uh, to bring it up in this one and then put it together and uh, we work about it you know obviously like sometimes you know something but when you get there uh, you might lose control of yourself and uh, we uh, me, my team and I we work about it very well um, and that's why like um, we were practicing like to calm down to collect not to like rush and because most of the time, like when you rush, basically on fighter like Stipe, that's where you give him an opportunity to take you down. And, you know, he was like, I knew that I can, he, he cannot uh, stand up with me. I knew that I, I, will, uh, I have a better uh, stand up and a good power, as you said, but I need a delivery system, a very, a very efficient uh, delivery system. Because the last time my delivery system uh, wasn't efficient and uh, I didn't get out there with the wind. So um, we worked and set everything up like to how to deliver the power and not waste it. Because yes, it's like a water in the tank. If you open it and don't use it for what you want, at some point it's gonna you're, you're gonna empty your tank and uh, still ha uh, need a water and. Um, that's how my team and I will work on it, and it was very important to like uh, stay calm and control. Don't use any energy for something which is not necessary, and uh, that's why like you could have listened to my um, uh, corner, even like Usman. He was uh, remind me like what we say, like calm down, Francis. Like everyone was specifically to tell what he was. Like everyone in my corner has his own uh, team that is gonna keep me on. Like Usman was like, calm down, <laughs> and uh, Eric was like, you know, he's always the fun guy. He put a phone on everything. Like uh, after the first round, I come back. So I'm like, hey, come on, buddy. Thank you. This is my first time ever uh, to get in the corner and get you on the store. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but. Um, he said, every, you know, being there, I couldn't see exactly how I was doing. And that's when he said, listen, we get this one. You, you defend the takedown. You look good. You feel good. And then, uh, ask, do we, like, how are we doing, coach? Do you have anything to add on top? He said the same thing. And, um, 10 seconds before the fight, because we've been practicing this a lot, even when I'm tired, uh, you're going to be like, okay, stand up. Look your opponent straight in the face and tell him like, "Come here, motherfucker." <laughs> That's exactly what I said. <laughs> and uh, like ten seconds before, before like I like it was like twelve seconds. So I'm like, "Stand up now, look him. He's tired." Then I stood up, look at him, and I looked. He went around, look at me like this. So I'm like, "Man, this won't be easy." Like I thought he would be, he would be tired, but now. You know, so there was a lot of um, benefit 
from the uh, previous fight. And um, yeah, as I said, I think that first love was something that I needed in my career in order to become a better fighter. Yeah, experience is, you know, always, always so important to go through and know what it feels like. And to me, that was the main thing, Francis. And you're kind of verifying that as you speak. But to me, having gone through it the first time, you knew what it was going to feel like this time. Where the first time you didn't know what it was going to feel like, being on that stage fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world. And those feelings overcame you a little bit. They, they got control of you. This time, you were more comfortable in the setting. You knew what it was going to feel like. You were prepared for what it was going to be. And the best way I can say it, you were in control, where last time your feelings were in control. This time you, Francis Ngannou, was in control of everything that was going to happen that night. And the, and the physical part of it, that was the mental part. And that's the most important because 75% of this game is mental. So that was the most yeah. important part. You agree with that? Yeah, 100%. And that's why um, I always, um, you know, after I fought Stipe, uh, I fought Derek Lewis. And I think that is my worst fight ever. And I didn't know what was going on until I uh, fought that fight. Then I get there, I'm like, okay, what the hell is going on? That's the moment that I realized that, you know, you can have the best training ever, uh, be in the best shape ever, but if your mind is not there, you have you have nothing. You'd rather be on, on train, on, uh, not be in shape, but have a right man, you still have at least like 60% uh, chance of winning the fight. 100%. But if your mind is not there, you train as uh, nobody else can train, you, you still have less than 50% of winning a fight. So, um, and that's why, like, uh, for me, the most important thing, I mean, obviously I have the great coaches, but the most important thing wasn't that to have a great coaches is to surround myself with good people, with people that I feel like, oh, we are all in this together. We all care for each other. And uh, that could have been even my mom, even my mom, if, if my mom doesn't know anything about it, then I, I would have go for that. Because like training is good, but it's just a few percentage of like fighting, uh, fighting soon. And that way, that's how I went out, figured out my stuff, put them together, and then find, uh, sur find uh, surround myself, and then start move on from there on. And that, and yeah, obviously uh, my physical strength haven't changed at all. I mean, I think so, but from the, I, I feel stronger than before because I feel relaxed, I feel comfortable. I don't have to worry about it. Even when I'm stressed, when I'm nervous, I look around me, I'm like, well, even though they won't be in the cage with me, with, in the octagon with me, but I can still look around me. I know I feel the, their energy and feel their power with me, which is something very important than anything else. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, you saw the difference 
that you were in control of yourself, you were comfortable with the surroundings, with the environment. And the physical, the technical side of it that was a difference was, I remember talking to you about this, about having your identity, knowing what that identity should be. And I remember the first time that we had you on the show and I watched tape. I wanted to know something about you. And it was really strange. I'll tell you why. And I, everyone was telling me, oh, he's, he's a great puncher. He's like Mike Tyson. He's got that power. Teddy, wait till you see him. He's a big, strong monster, all this. And, and he just goes out there and he hits guys. So I looked at the tape and I said, I'm going to find out for myself. I trust myself not other people's opinions. So I'm going to look and see what I see. And I remember I looked, and I think I said it to you when I met you in Las Vegas, and I think I said it to, to maybe to one of your people, but I said, this guy is not what everybody thinks he is. His instincts is to counterpunch. That's his instincts. This is a very intelligent guy who you think that he's just going to be a monster, but the truth is his instincts is to, to really counterpunch like he's got those instincts for that and i was talking about your identity i said it's not to just go after guys it's from a technical standpoint to learn to use your jab to control your space to control your geography because for me from a technical standpoint in a ring or an octagon it's all about geography who controls their space? Who controls their geography in a way that makes the most sense for the abilities that they have? Who does that? And for me, it was for you to use your jab to, to control things and then get opportunities where maybe the guy comes in, you can catch him coming in, he tries to force his way in because you're keeping him in a uncomfortable place on the outside and now he has to get reckless to get close to you or he stays at the end of your jab and then you hit him with punches at the end of it like you did with the right hand but for me that's what it was and you used your jab in a in a beautiful way i i thought about george foreman with joe frazier everybody thought about that fight where oh Foreman hit him with the big punch and knocked out Frazier with the uppercut. But what they forget about was it was the jab that controlled the geography. It was the jab that set up the power punches. So talk about that a little bit because that's, that's what I saw. And I thought it was great. I thought that development in those areas that you kind of came together in a consistent way with what your identity needed to be. No, yeah, um... That's something that we, we really work about it. And if you listen, if you watch the fight again, you might, uh, hear from Eric around the, uh, in the corner, like, uh, jab on the chest because like, uh, he was, the jazz was just to control, as you said, like, no, like really to hurt him, no looking for his face, the jab even on his chest because he can move his head, but not his chest and control him, know where he's at. Uh, so you can end up to connect with that. And uh, that's something that we've been uh, working on as well. You know, you have to, we work on it uh, a lot for him to, for me to be able to uh, repeat that in the octagon, to develop that. But uh, he was still, Eric was still there, like, to remind me, you know, to remind me every time, like, jab on his chest, jab, jab on his chest. No, like you're gonna, you are not you're not gonna knock him out on his chest, 
you're not going to hurt him on his chest, but you're going to know where exactly he's at. And he, he, he's not going to be able to come forward. You control the game. He just fight your fight. You bring him in your fight instead of fighting his fight. And uh, that's how he did it. Hey guys, before we jump into fan questions for Francis, I want to give a quick shout out to our newest sponsor, PremierFightPicks.com. Premier Fight Picks top MMA handicapping service. Bardia Helmi, who runs it, is legit. He has a 70% winning record and it's publicly tracked for over two and a half years. Bardia doesn't just pick favorites either. His record includes many big name underdogs. For example, he picked Justin Gaethje over Tony Ferguson. He also predicted that Alex Volkanovsky would beat Max Holloway. His subscribers are coming off their fourth profiting UFC pay-per-view event in a row as he as Bardia picked four of his premium, hit on all four of his top his premium bets on the most recent event. If you like to bet on fights and you're looking for help in picking winners, visit PremierFightPicks.com to subscribe. Bardia also gives free picks on his Instagram handle, so check him out at PremierFightPicks, PremierFightPicks.com. Check it out. Francis, we want to be super sensitive to your time. We know you're an international superstar now, and there's a few questions that I know the fans want to hear uh, answers for. And um, But a lot of talk, obviously, in the next fight with John Jones. That is the biggest fight probably to be made. You know, I hesitate to say the history of the sport. There's been so many great matchups, but that's a fight everybody wants to see. What excites you about that John Jones matchup? Well, listen, um, I think there's everything that you can find in the fight uh, to be in this fight. Everything that can be excited in, in the fight. Uh, first of all, John Jones has been around for like, what, over 10 years? And he's been the champ for the light heavyweight for, for a decade over that. And um, the man stands as the, one, uh, as the number one pound, of, pound fighter. Um, maybe I think even better than that, the best of all the time in the uh, Miss Martial Arts. For me, if, for my legacy, I think this is something very important to, to step, up, step up higher because, yeah, I'm a heavyweight champion, but, you know, I still haven't done many things uh, uh, in the sport yet, and I still have a lot of way to go to like set my legacy, not in that level, but even higher uh, at the point that nobody can reach. Or, I mean, that's always the goal to break record and then set another record. But um, this fight would be very exciting to get to fight the guy which is uh, barely almost undefeated ever and uh, be reigning in the lightweight division for forever the other thing i wanted to ask you and we spoke about this when we were in las vegas um is the potential for you to get into the boxing world i know at the time when i asked you would you rather be the ufc champ or the boxing heavyweight champ and i believe you said you would rather have the boxing heavyweight championship the ufc just provided the uh, path of least resistance when you first entered the sport how important is it to you to at some point get in the ring and challenge one of the heavyweight boxing champions? Well, it's very important. And that's why, um, for me, that's something who must happen. It has to happen in order for me to fulfill my dream 
because it's still a part of my dream. It's still a part like that. Even what uh, brought me here, I would have been here if I uh, wasn't thinking about like uh, becoming a uh, boxing heavyweight champion. That that's where uh, on my way I discovered MMA, who gave me uh, an opportunity. But uh, I still have that dream. In, inside of me and I think I'm going to one day uh, find it, my own ways of delivering that. I don't know if you saw recently, but Dillian White, the recently crowned interim WBC champion who has some MMA experience, said he would be willing to have a um, an MMA fight with you. Would be very interesting, maybe a, a crossover fight, an MMA fight followed by a boxing match or vice versa with Dillian White. He actually has a WBC interim title, so that could be a very interesting uh, opportunity at some point. Well, he's not the first one of saying that Tyson yeah. Fury. <laughs> Exactly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, jump in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in there. I'm gonna jump in there, and and uh, he's got a great manager in Mark Cow. He doesn't need me, but I'm gonna defend him a little bit not that not that francis needs any defending but i'm gonna jump in and say look if he's gonna fight anybody it's not gonna be for an interim title it's gonna be somebody that's got one of the real titles and their name's either gonna be joshua or fury because that's the big enchilada that's the big one he earned the right to be in there with the biggest one possible and if he's gonna do it and his great people that are advising him like markel are gonna do it they're gonna do it with nothing less than the top and so that's that's where they're going don't let ken be your manager okay francis <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, let yeah. Don't... no no i'm, no, no. I'm just trying to set can teddy up to describe bad. what's important okay you you don't said you don't said that go high you said very low <laughs> no you said was... in the middle I was just giving you both the opportunity to point out how crazy it is to respond to the uh, Ken, peanut gallery. Ken was putting my my grandson is playing t ball now, and they put they put it on the on the stand so you could hit it. That's what Ken was trying to do for me. He was trying to <laughs> he was trying to give me a, an easy one to hit out of the park. But no, Francis, you've earned the right to fight only the top biggest fight out there and that's either going to be if it's going to be at all it's going to be fury or joshua or or i'm going to get crazy i'm going to get crazy we can all fool around a little bit or <laughs> or maybe because you're in a position now where you could be offered these crossover fights that they all doing right uh Maybe some guy. See if I can. I know he's a little older now. See if I can remember his name. Um, I think it starts with a Mike Tyson. Um, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> uh, uh, that's funny. No, I'm not fighting Mike. Mike is my guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't don't be surprised if people whisper that in your ear, or if you if you hear something. Would you think about fighting Tyson? He's out there now, and you know how the imagination goes with people. It, it takes you places, right? And they start yeah. saying, "Oh, Mike could still fight. He could still knock out the champions now. He still has it. He still can do it. Why don't you fight him?" Don't be shocked if that okay. conversation shows itself somewhere before you know it. No, some people have 
have that kind of imagination. <laughs> See, you're a smart man. Yeah, but yeah. they do. They do have that kind of imagination. And it's attached to money because people are paying a lot of money for these events. I'm not going to call them fights. I'm going to call them events. I'm going to be true to who I am and, and say what I believe. They're more events than they are really athletic ventures uh, when you're talking about a 55-year-old guy fighting another 50-something-year-old person. But, um, but it's out there. It's it's out there nowadays, and and there are people, there are real people, not the promoters, because the promoters are just doing it to make money. But there are real fans that get crazy, and they start, and then I don't know if they're drinking or doing something else. I'm not sure, but they they start to say, oh yeah, yeah, he he could still knock out uh, the heavyweight champs. He could still fight like he did when he was 20, and you know so. It's it's going to be out there. It's out there. I had to say it to you. I'm glad that I got that beautiful smile on your face because you have a great <laughs> smile. <laughs> well, hey, Teddy, speaking and uh, Francis, speaking of uh, make money opportunities that come with being the champ and, and Teddy, you've already referenced um, super agent Markel Martin of CAA. The first thing is I'm dying to see when um, Hollywood gets a hold of your life story and, and paints the picture of you um, making your way to Spain, to France, to the UFC, to the, to the top of the sports world as the baddest man on the planet. But one of the things that you guys have going on, and I want to bring Markel in to discuss this, is your um, NFT that I believe was created by Boss Logic. I've got it on display right here, right here behind me. Um, it's beautiful. I'm not the most. Uh, I'm not a huge like NFT um, expert per right. se. I know it's a non fungible token that can't be replicated. But Markel, maybe we bring you in real quick and tell us. What the deal is with the NFT? Where can people find it? Can we still bid on it? Uh, you see that I've already hijacked it here and uh, got it <laughs> on my wall on my personal NFT displays. But Markel, tell me a little bit about the NFT. Yeah. Hey, hey what's up, guys? Um, yeah, about the NFT, you know, obviously, I think we just kind of took a leap of faith, right? Um, I think, you know, Francis knows that I will always uh, call him at late nights with these crazy ideas and and just say, uh, so one night I just called him. I said, hey, hey, bro, I know I don't know nothing about NFTs. You don't know nothing about NFTs, but just trust me, it's going to be great. <laughs> and, and we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Uh, and I want you to be a first mover in this space, right? We're always trying to push ourselves from a creative standpoint and just kind of for, and be forward thinking as a team. So that whole process was fun. Um, the NFT, go, to go back to it, we wanted to partner up with uh, Boss Logic, who everyone knows is, has, you know, a, a, an amazing resume in, in the creative space, right? For, for, uh, those, that, for those that don't know, uh, Markel, what exactly does Boss Logic do? Yeah, so, so Boss Logic is a, uh, a graphic designer. I don't know if he'll, he'll or, or even just a, an artist, I should say. Um, yep. I knew Boss Logic from 2015 when I worked at, at UFC back in the day, and he was doing fight posters, like very cool fight posters. So he's known in this, in this NFT community and in the art world. So we felt it best to enter that space, the NFT, with not only just us in mind, but having a respect to enter the, the community, right? So we wanted to walk in through the doors with Boss Logic on our side 
to add to that credibility, right? To add to that storytelling. Cause that's what, I'm not an artist and Francis is, is not an artist, at least, at least I don't know yet, uh, right? So Boss Logic had an amazing um, kind of background knowledge of the MMA community. And we told him, hey, we wanna tell a story with Francis's NFTs, right? So that piece that you have behind you, that's kind of like the, the it's, it's time, right? It's, it's, it it kind of looks like a, the gear on a, on a watch, right? And he, if you can see in his hair, it has the Africa on the side. Um, so that is just a moment in time that is very special to us. So that piece was an open edition, right? Uh, in which was a, a available for purchase for 15 minutes, right? Um, and then, so there's two open edition pieces that were available for, for 15 minutes only. And then if and only if he won, right? Again, we're all, <laughs> we, we were all in with this thing. Then two additional uh, pieces would drop. Uh, so a total of four pieces, two before and two post win. Um, and the, the entire piece is just, again, surrounding, you know, Africa and what it means and, and how, again, I think Teddy mentioned it earlier of, you know, when Francis goes in to fight, he's not just fighting for himself. He's not just fighting for a belt, he's fighting for an entire people, a, a continent of Africa, hopes, dreams, faith, right? Um, it, uh, so that was very special for us to, uh, once he, he got his hands raised and that belt was wrapped around his waist, we also had the NFT drop alongside it. And it was a, it was a massive success uh, for us at, at the very least. And we continue to uh, wanna, wanna do more in the future. So to be clear, did someone buy it via an auction? How did it actually trade? Yeah, so uh, it, it traded, um, uh, there's fixed editions that, that went out, but it was via auction, a one-of-one -one auction uh, that went up uh, for a short amount of time. So someone now owns it, it's not available to anyone else? Correct, yeah. So these, these specific uh, NFTs, right, they were bought, they're no longer uh, sold, however, Right. If the current owners want to resell them, they have the ability to do it. That's the beauty of blockchain. They own right? the trade. They own the trademark now, correct? Well, it, it's it's not exactly a, a trademark, but yes, they they own the the art piece it, itself. Gotcha. Right. Um, they can't then go use it and sell T-shirts with the NFT image on it or anything like that. Okay. Right. That's part of the users' rights agreement. So uh, we dropped it on the platform called Maker's Place. Yeah. Uh, which allows people to kind of go on and purchase these NFTs. Um, and, and yeah, so the one of one, it was a massive success. It's the, uh, to date, um, the highest one of one sports um, NFT. Uh, Patrick, uh, so Francis's beat uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he beat, he beat Patrick Mahomes. That's wow, beat Patrick Mahomes. That's, that's, that's quite a accomplishment right there. That tells a lot right there. Congratulations, wow. Francis. That's really unbelievable. And like wow. I said, thanks to uh, thanks to Super Agent Markel Martin for jumping on with us there. I think we lost him, but we covered everything we wanted to on the NFT, Francis. Uh, super, super happy for you. It's great to see these opportunities outside of the ring because, as you know, uh, with with fighting, you know. You got to make as much money as you can while you're relative, and uh, that's just part of the business. And uh, you know, obviously, you have massive uh, mass appeal, not just in the U.S. but internationally with the Cameroon and coming through France. Like, 
I'm, we're just really happy for you, and it's great to see good things happen to good people. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Titi. Thank you, Francis. Always nice talking to you. Francis, again, thank you. Wisdom himself. Uh, you're, listen, keep lifting. As you lift people off the canvas, continue to lift people in the world up themselves uh, to be better people, to have more hope to have more aspiration that they might not have had that they can get from you a little bit. So continue your journey. Don't let it stop. And continue being the great champion in life that you are. I, I'm, I'm proud to know you. I'm proud to know you. Thank you, Didi. I really appreciate you. And thank you to Francis and Markel for being thank with you. us. We will look forward to future conversations when you're preparing for your heavyweight boxing debut. Thank you. Very good. Right. Thank you, guys, and continued success. All the best to you guys. Thank you for being with us.